Hello, Land of Arcadia Economics, and welcome to another episode of the Arcadia Mining Stock Journal podcast. It is bi-weekly, and for those of you who forgot, bi-weekly means twice a month. And I'm recording this actually on Tuesday evening, so there may have been some changes in the markets between now and when this gets posted, but that is what it is. So. This episode, I have some really good news and some not so good news, followed by some more good news. And I'll start with the good news. The, the good news is, is that um, this Thursday, which I believe will be, and it will be after this podcast gets posted to social media, Chris and I, and I believe Rafi, I'm not sure 100%, are going to do a podcast with Fortuna Silver. Chris likes it when I mention his sponsors. And on from Fortuna will be the CEO, Jorge Ganoza, and the senior vice president of exploration, Paul Whedon. He's the guy that goes out and looks for the good stuff, the gold and silver. So I hope everyone can tune into that. I personally believe that Fortuna is one of the most undervalued producing mining stocks in the mining stock universe. And on Thursday, hopefully, you'll come away from watching that podcast, understanding why I have that belief. So to follow up that with the bad news is that I firmly believe that the economy absolutely hit a wall sometime between the end of April and the first half of May. And I say that based on all of the economic data that I scour on a weekly basis that supports my writing and publishing of my short sellers journal newsletter, which is a weekly subscription newsletter and it comes out every Sunday. And specifically, if you look at things like retail sales, Target just warned again today, second time in two weeks that Target warned their stock got hammered. Um, you look at retail sales, Walmart, et cetera, they've all been posting negative year-over-year -year sales growth when you, real sales growth. So when you factor in just CPI inflation, their unit sales are declining. If you factor in real inflation, which no one in the financial media world seems to like to talk about, their, their unit sales are absolutely plunging on a year-over-year -year basis. And the reason for that is that the middle class is essentially living paycheck to paycheck for the most part. Or they're actually now starting to accumulate a high amount of spending on their credit cards, as we've seen from the Federal Reserve's monthly consumer credit report. Credit card debt is absolutely exploding, which means that essentially the middle class is out of savings. So in order to make ends meet, they're reaching into their credit lines. I don't know how long that's going to last. The housing market is, is really starting to fall off a cliff. And it's especially apparent in the, in the, the areas that have been the hottest over the last couple of years. The fact that the Fed is hiking interest rates, albeit quite slowly, I mean, they haven't really raised rates in a meaningful way. And we're already seeing a rapid slowdown in economic activity. And supposedly this month, they're going to start shrinking their balance sheet, even though it's, it's like, you know, 
a faucet drip is the rate at which they're going to start reducing their balance sheet. Now, the question that I have is, I don't know how long the Federal Reserve is going to be able to keep raising rates and how far it will go to reducing its balance sheet. And I say this because what has been referred to as economic growth, and it's really just been inflation, nominal inflation-driven growth since March 2020, and really since 2008, but it, that's, that's occurred because the Fed has massively expanded its balance sheet. It's done a, a 10x between September 2008 and now. And that's created the illusion of economic growth. And so if they're actually going to start reducing their balance sheet, <laughs> it's going to send this whole system into a depression. And that's why I'm not really sure how much longer they're going to be able to keep their tight monetary policy stance, you know, that remains to be seen. However, while people think that hiking interest rates and the Fed reducing its balance sheet is, is uh, negative for the price of gold and silver in the precious metal sector, as it turns out, it's pretty much the opposite is just, is, it turns out to be the case. So, um, and, Believe it or not, gold, and it may not feel like it, and uh, I'm not ignoring silver here. You know, silver is my first love, as it is with everyone who follows Arcadia Economics. But, but gold leads, going back to, two, you know, early 2001, which is when I jumped headfirst into this sector, gold tends to lead big bullish moves in the sector. And that's what we want to see. I'm sorry to, to bring that news to you, but it just means you're gonna have to be a little more patient for the big move in silver that we know is coming. However, if you look, you can see that really since, this is actually going to be April 2021. So this is a chart that shows gold 2021 to present on a daily basis. And it may not feel like it, but gold has actually been in a really nice uptrend since then. And these things are, you know, it, it overshoots it to the downside. I would attribute that mostly to, you know, the manipulative activity that we all know occurs, even though a lot of people seem to deny that that occurs. So gold has been in a really nice uptrend. Silver, I'm not going to show you that chart. You'll get depressed. However, Silver is in a dogfight with 22 right now. And when it gets through that, I think it's going to really start to pop. Now, just to zoom in on the gold uptrend, you can see that really since October 2021, in the context of that longer uptrend that I showed, um, just to back up a second, the reason why I started in 2021 is that gold was in a downtrend. The whole precious metal sector was in a downtrend from about August 2020 until, well, when, when the, it, it bottomed out in early 2021, early to mid 2021. And as you saw from the previous chart, gold has actually been in an uptrend since, since March, 2021. So here we go. It's kind of, you know, meandered slowly in the uptrend. We had, couple ups and downs. We had a double bottom that, that ended in October 2021. And it's been in a sharper uptrend really 
since that time. And you'll notice here, which would be in late May, gold actually successfully tested the uptrend here. And again, this was as much market related as it was manipulated. So, and I personally think that you can see right here, there were little red lines, the 200 day moving average. And this light blue line is the 21 day moving average. I personally think we might start to see something that goes like that, but we'll see, it remains to be seen. Now, in terms of the mining stocks, I wanted to show a chart. This thing goes back to late 2006. And the reason it doesn't go back further, I just was lazy and I wanted to use GDX. It's a broader index than the UE index or XAU. Um, and for my purposes or our purposes, this is, this is really all we need to see. The green line here is GDX. And this is, this, this is a weekly chart. And this multicolored bar chart is, is actual real gold, not GLD. And you can see that, so this, this captures really the first leg of the cyclical leg of the secular bull market started in 2021, and it ended here in late 2007. But you can see that for this entire time, the mining stocks outperformed the price of gold. And then we went into that nasty, I call it a four and a half year bear market. And obviously the mining stocks substantially underperformed gold. And the latest or the current cyclical uptrend in this overall secular gold bull market really started at the end of 2015. And a couple of weeks later, GDX started to take off. And you can see, you know, we've had a couple really large moves in GDX that got everyone excited. And, you know, I can tell you from my subscriber list, to my mining stock journal, I had a boatload of new subscribers here, and then a lot of them canceled in through here, and then another boatload of new subscribers here. And actually, a lot less have canceled this time. And my subscriber base is quite a bit higher than it was at the end of 2015. And it's, I mean, it's even higher than it was here at the peak. So, but the point here is, is that GDX has been underperforming in this part of the cyclical bull move higher. Like I said, that started in late 2015 or the end of December, 2015. Now, if, if I'm right, and I'm not the only one, and it's not necessarily my original thought that we're gonna see gold do something like this, then I actually think at some point, we're going to see the mining stocks do something like this. And I think at some point over the next two years, and I'm just throwing two years out there hypothetically, at some point, eventually, the mining stocks are going to start significantly outperforming the price of gold. Um, where silver falls in line there is, is silver is going to start performing and, and play sort of a catch up to gold. And it'll, it'll be outperforming the mining stocks. But at some point, I do expect the mining stocks and specifically the high risk junior exploration mining stocks to really take off and outperform. At least that's been my experience on how these cycles work over the last 20 years. So and there's one other indicator for me that the precious metal sector is, is percolating for a big bull move, and that's the Silver Commitment of Traders Report. And I'm sure you're all aware of what's been going on there, but over the last 
few weeks, the, the, the big banks who take the opposite side of the hedge funds and the big banks spend 98% of their time net, net short to extremely net short paper silver. And the hedge funds spend 98% of their time net long to extremely net long paper silver and, and gold. Um, but this applies more specifically to silver because what's happened is that over the last two or three weeks, the, the banks have not only flattened out their long versus short position, they've actually gone net long paper silver. And the last time I think I can recall that happening, at least in a definitive way, might've happened somewhere in between, was, was uh, the fall of 2015. I wanna say without, you know, I'd have to go back and check my data. I wanna say October, November, 2015. And it might have happened at some point in the summer of 2020. I just don't recall, and I'm too lazy to look it up. But it, it doesn't matter. The point here is, is that over the last 20 years, whenever the banks have taken on a, a positive net long position in paper silver per the COMEX Commitment of Traders report, it has always signaled an eventual massive move higher in the precious metals sector. And it doesn't necessarily tell us the timing of that move. I mean, obviously, the price of silver seems to be stuck in the mud, as do the mining stocks for the most part. But I think that that kind of supports my view that at some point this summer, we could see a big move really, really start to take off and, and extend. I mean, who knows how long it'll last. And I think part of what'll help support that move from a fundamental standpoint is, is at some point, I think the Fed's going to have to back off on its monetary stance, even though it's not really that tight right now. But, you know, just the job owning alone and the measly, whatever it is, 75 basis points or 100 basis points that they've taken rates up so far has, has jarred the stock market. It sent the housing market off the cliff. And essentially, if they keep going like they have said they're going to keep going, and to the extent they're going to keep going, it's going to throw this whole system into a huge depression. I just don't see that happening, especially ahead of elections in November. So at any rate, that's my take. Some people call me a permable. I'm, I try not to be. I try to be as objective as possible. Um, but I think, you know, just to sort of end this podcast, with the good news, bad news chain. The good news is I do think we're going to start to see a big move, big move higher that takes place later this summer. And I'll hold myself accountable over the next few months as this, as this podcast continues. So um, I also want to just let you know, this isn't a shameless promotion. I have to get paid for my time, but my next issue of the Mining Stock Journal will be released this afternoon after the stock market closes. And I'll be updating several of the companies that I invest in and that I recommend to my subscribers. And one of them, actually, I just saw a presentation a couple of days ago from management. One of them, I personally believe, is the cheapest mining stock in the mining stock universe on a risk return basis, meaning that the risk that you have to take to hold this stock and expect a good return is a lot lower relative to comparable stocks in this particular stock's uh, risk bucket. 
you know, relative to its peers. So, and this is uh, a starting to become an emerging producer. So that's where it is in its cycle. Doesn't produce gold, it's not exploring for gold. Um, and it actually does have silver in its resource. So if you're interested in that, you can go to investmentresearchdynamics.com and there's more information about both of my newsletters. And I hope everyone has a great rest of the week and I'll see you in two weeks.